you have a Bible with you, you can turn it to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Jesus has just fed the 5,000 on the shore. He's sending his disciples on so that he can have some time with his Father in prayer. And this is what we read. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let me pray once more. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from you, open our hearts to respond to you, that you would use my words as what you have given me, that you would speak through me and only your words would be heard and that anything that is simply from me would just go right over our heads, but that your words would be what we would remember. In Jesus' name, amen. A while back, I had thought that I was going to kind of wrap up the identity series today. But then when I went on on the conference that I went to a few weeks ago, I really felt that the Lord said, no, you need to to do kind of a one-off this week before we move into Advent. So we're going to do a one-off message today called Dreaming God-Sized Dreams. And I think that it's particularly timeful today. Let me ask you a question. What is your comfort zone? When you think about your life, what are you just very comfortable with? Just just think about that for a second. Maybe it's the comfort of your home, the comfort of your health, the comfort of your job, the comfort of your family the comfort of where you live. Now I'm going to pick on comfort for a little while, and I want to start with this. Comfort is not always a bad thing. When we are mourning, God says that he will provide comfort. When we are in times of need, God can provide comfort. But comfort for comfort's sake hinders 
Comfort hinders change. Comfort hinders growth and comfort hinders adventure. Think about those for a second. If I'm really comfortable with my house the way that it is, and Heather would like to change something in it, whether it's a paint color or moving a couch from this side to this side of the room, and I'm just too comfortable with how things are, there's going to be friction there, isn't there? Comfort hinders growth. I'm really comfortable with my baby lying in my arms sleeping. I loved those moments. And they don't happen anymore. To get my kids to sit, even the youngest one, he wants to play. He doesn't want to sleep in my arms. There's friction there. They're growing. And so that changes the comfort zone, doesn't it? Comfort hinders adventure. I'm not an incredibly adventurous person. Some of you are. I know that about you. You love the unknown, the excitement of doing something new, the excitement of trying something, going off and not knowing what the outcome is going to look like. People who are adventurous like that usually have very, very large comfort zones. They're comfortable with a whole lot of stuff or are comfortable not being comfortable. For me, my comfort sometimes hinders adventure. Now, I want to suggest to you something. I want to suggest to you today that God is not as interested in your comfort as you are interested in your comfort. I'm not sure that God even wants us to be comfortable in that way. I do know that he wants us to follow him, And I do know that following God does not always produce comfort. In fact, you might not like hearing this, I don't want to say it, but in fact I would say, or I would like to suggest, that if you are comfortable in the way that you are following Jesus, you may not be following Jesus radically enough. Let me say that again. If you are comfortable in the way that you are following Jesus you may not be following Jesus radically enough. As you think about that for a few minutes, let me share with you a few examples of people in the Bible who God called out of their comfort zone. Abraham. He was called Abram. He was a man of wealth, prosperity, property, a good family. He grew up with his parents brothers and sisters, cousins and relatives, in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. He worshipped God and everything was good and merry. Until one day when God came to Abraham, Abram with instructions. This is what he says. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. He came to Abram with a command and a promise. Here's the command. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Pause for a second. That's like the craziest command ever. Abraham got a lot of crazy commands. But this is a crazy one. Imagine God coming to you and saying, I want you to leave what you know and head that way. And I'll tell you when to stop. He doesn't say where he's going. 
He doesn't tell him what the land is. He just says, head that way. And I'll tell you when to stop. That takes radical faith. You hope there isn't a lake or an ocean in your way, right? And then here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. It takes incredible amounts of faith to step out of your comfort zone in that way. How about this one? Moses. Moses had all the comforts of the kingdom. He had been adopted into a household of Pharaoh. He was schooled with Egyptian teachers. He had power and prestige and wealth. All the while, his countrymen, the Israelites, were in slavery. And they'd been crying out to God for a savior for years. And then there's Moses in the Pharaoh's courts. Think for a second about this. I'm not saying this happened, but it's fun to imagine. Imagine in heaven an angel coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, your people have been crying out. They are in bondage. They are in slavery. How are you going to get them out of this now? And God smiling and pointing down and saying, do you see that man? Do you see the one in Pharaoh's household, the one lying on the couch eating grapes? That's my answer. I'm guessing that the angel didn't understand that. I wouldn't have understood it. But you see, God had bigger dreams for Moses. Better dreams. God-sized dreams. How about this one? Think about Simon Peter. Simon was a man who was content to be in a boat all day catching fish. He did not have the prestige or the wealth of Abram or Moses. He was a hardworking man who took care of his family. He was a simple man working with his hands. Probably more of us can relate to Simon Peter than we can relate to Moses. He was good at what he did. And that gave him some comfort. Then Jesus came along and he called him to follow him. Matthew 4, 18 says this. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. We already just read about this encounter of Peter, who, again, remember, he's a fisherman. So not only do you and I who aren't fishermen know that if you step out of a boat onto water, you're in a sink, but if anyone, a fisherman, would know that when you step out onto water, you go down. You throw the nets out, they go down. You throw a person out, they go down. 
Simon Peter knew the laws of physics on that. And yet, he was willing to step out of the boat when Jesus said, come. Radical, radical faith. I think much more faith than I have. I don't know about you. Let me give you one more example. Not from the Bible, but from here at Chalmers. This morning, Philip just made that announcement that at the end of December, he's going to be finished as the director of youth and family ministries here at Chalmers because God has called him to something else. Now, Philip is really good at what he does here at Chalmers. He's a blessing to us here at Chalmers. He's probably fairly comfortable with what he does and how he does it here at Chalmers. But God has given him a passion outside of the church to care for and to love and to minister to youth in the education system. God has given him a heart and a passion for outdoor ministries in many different ways, in leadership development in many different ways. And even when he came to Chalmers, he came knowing that this was not going to be the final step for him. And yet, we need to give him a whole lot of credit for being willing to step out of the boat, to step out of the comfortable, to whatever it is that God's going to call him to next. Let me tell you something about what happens when we allow God to give us God-sized dreams. Number one, as we've said before, God-sized dreams are often outside of our comfort zone. They're often in places that we don't know and may not feel incredibly comfortable with. We could talk about a whole lot of examples of people within the Bible and outside of the Bible who had to step outside of what they knew and what was comfortable for them in order to follow God. God-sized dreams are often outside of our comfort zone. Number two, God-sized dreams means that God needs to step in and do what only God can do. If the dream for us as a church is something that we can do on our own without God, it's not a big enough dream. If the dream for your life is something that you can do without God, it's not a big enough dream. Now, one of the concerns people sometimes have in in order to step out in faith is that they say, But why me? I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared for that. I'm not gifted at that. Moses made those excuses. He said, Lord, I stutter. Don't send me out to be the leader. He used excuses. One of the things that I've learned over the last number of years is this. That God does not call the equipped but he equips the called. Let me say that again. God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. He doesn't call the best of the best, the cream of the crop, and say, well, you're really good, so you can follow me. That's not how he works. Look at the disciples. He picked a ragtag group of people. I always love thinking about the disciples 
as the ones that Jesus called because it gives me so much hope for myself. And I hope it gives you a little bit of hope as well. He doesn't call those who are perfect and who have their lives straight and who, who know how to do it all without him. And I think he does that on a, on a purpose because he doesn't want people just stepping out and saying, okay, I can do this. I, sit back, God, I got this. That's not how he wants us to function. Instead, he calls us, and when we answer his call, he equips us to do what he calls us to do. And so if God is calling you to do something big, scary, I call them the hairy, scary dreams of God. If God is calling you to something bigger than yourself, a God-sized dream, if you are willing to say yes, he will provide you with the ways to do it. Author John Ortberg, in a book, a well-titled book, If You Want to Walk on Water, you got to get out of the boat. He asks this question. Is there any challenge in your life right now that is large enough that you have no hope of doing it apart from God's help? Let me say that again. Is there any challenge in your life right now that is large enough that you have no hope of doing it apart from God's help? He then says, If not, consider the possibility that you are seriously under-challenged. As Christians, we live in faith that if God doesn't do what he promises to do, we will fail. And yet we live in faith that if we step out, knowing that we will fail if God doesn't step in, then God steps in. Number three. God-sized dreams mean that God gets the glory, not us. If he calls us out of our comfort zones, if he calls us to something that, if, that it will completely fail if he doesn't step up, then it means that he gets the glory at the end. Because we can't walk around going, yeah, I'm that good. We don't get the glory. God gets the glory. God is the one who gets the honor and the glory when we step out in faith. Now, can I be honest with you and share with you a hairy, scary, God-sized dream that I've been running from for the last little while? Because I think that probably there are some of us here who have been running from dreams, who have been making excuses, and I just want to share mine. A few years ago, after I started pastoring here at Chalmers, God gave me a God-sized dream. When I, when I drive places, I love getting off the beaten roads, getting off the highways and taking the back roads. And as I did so, I started noticing the farms, and I started noticing the little hamlets and the larger villages around us. And I would sometimes pull my car over to the side of the road and pray for these farmers or the smaller communities around us. And over the course of the last few months, God started speaking to me about these rural communities. And he put the thought in my head. That's usually how God speaks to me. He puts a thought in my head that I know is not from me because I don't like it or I'm not comfortable with it or it's too different than what I usually think. God speaks to different people different ways. 
Well, this was the thought that he put in my head. He said, Brian, I died for these people so that they could be reconciled to me. I love them and I long for them. Who will bring my message to them? And in my heart, I began to have a tension forming. Because the Holy Spirit was urging me to say, Here we are, send us. And yet my busy full schedule at Chalmers said, Send someone else. We are doing good things here in Armo, and people who want to come and hear are coming from all over. Many of you are coming from all over. Underwood, Teeswater, Lucknow, Ripley, many other places. It's not our job to reach those other areas. Let another church do it. And all the while, tension was in my heart. But that longing in my spirit never left. God's burning desire welling up within me every time I would drive through Lucknow or Teeswater on the way to Burlington to visit my family, through Underwood and, and North Bruce as I would go up to Port Elgin. Every Tuesday night when I take my son skating uh, in Ripley, I would look around at the communities and I would hear God ask again, who will bring my message to them? Now, some of you know that I went to a conference uh, at the end of October. And on the second day of the conference, we were talking about the cross. The speaker was talking about the cross, the cross of Jesus. And he was talking about the pain and the humiliation and the suffering and the death that Jesus went through because he wanted us to be back in a relationship with him. And again, God started working on my heart in a fairly painful way. And God started showing me all the times where I had allowed the fear inside of me to silence his voice. When I had allowed my comfort zone to keep me in the boat when God was calling me to walk on water. And there and then, in the middle of that worship time, I fell to my knees and I just wept. And I confessed to God that I had made too many excuses. And that I didn't want to do that anymore. And once again, I've done this many times in my life, but once again I just said, God, I, I just lay before you a blank check of my life. Whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it, I am in, I will do it. Now the next day was Sunday, and Sunday evening at the conference they had a, I had a prayer night. They do that about once a month. And those of us who were attending the, the conference were told, Get there half an hour early so you have a seat. See, we have prayer nights here at Chalmers, and, you know, if we get a dozen people, that's a good prayer night. And they packed the place, all 1,500 seats, full of people wanting to pray and seeking God's direction. And just so you know, there was a whole section of the sanctuary that was all just youth praying. It was awesome, awesome. Anyway, during that two-hour prayer meeting, one of the things they did was they took time to pray for all of us lead pastors who were there. And how they did that was that they had us kind of huddle around a smaller group of people, maybe about a dozen people, and they would take about five minutes to just ask God, God, what do you want to say to this person? And then they would all pray over me 
and pray the things that God had said or the images that he had given. And then they shared those with us, with me. And, the, and, and one of the guys wrote them down. And I want to share some of them with you. They were incredibly significant to me. I understand that they may not be as significant to you, but I still, I feel I need to share them. One person saw breaking waves slowly moving up the shore. And as I would pray, the waves just kept washing over more and more of the shore. One person saw a funnel uh, over my head and, and water just splashing over me so that I couldn't see and it was blurry. But as I prayed, the water was then redirected and spread out over others and it was the water of life. Again, take this as you will. One person saw cobwebs being cleaned up in our congregation. One person saw different colors of wax being put together as a candle and the candle lighting a dark room. One person saw a number of loose strands of string and they were limp and they couldn't do anything. But when they were woven together, they made a mighty, strong, useful cord. Here's one that was particularly impactful for me. One man saw a lighthouse coming up on a map and shining its light over the area. After the prayer time, that man came up to me and he said, so by the way, where are you from? And I said, Concordon, Concordon, Ontario. This was in Steinbach, Manitoba. And he pulled out his phone and he Googled Concordon. And the Google Maps came up and he said, like, is this where you're from? And I said, yeah, that's where I'm from. And he just started laughing. And he said, that's exactly where I saw the lighthouse. And I went, wow, it's amazing. You have no idea where I was from. You don't know what, where Concordon is. In the same way, I had no idea where Steinbeck was. <laughs> Friends, those are just some of the things that I feel God has been is saying to me. Now, here's the thing with all this. We are a congregational church. And so I cannot and should not stand up here and say, thus saith the Lord, here's where we're going. This is what we're now going to start doing. I can't do that. But I do need to share with you what, what the Lord is saying to me. And I need to ask you to start praying. And some of you have been starting to pray. And on November 30th, we're going to be having a visioning time, two times, 10.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the evening, both here at Chalmers. And I need you to come. And each of you, I hope, have been given a green sheet as you came in. If you did not, they're at the front door. There's some questions on there, and we're going to be answering those questions and praying about those questions so that together we can discern where God is calling us as a congregation to go. But I do know from talking to some of you that there are many people in this congregation whose hearts burn deeply for your neighbors, for your family, for your friends. Many of you who live around here and many of you who come from lots of other places. And whatever God is calling us to, I will guarantee you that if God is actually calling us to it, it will be outside of our comfort zone. And if God is calling us to it, it'll be so big that we will fail if God does not do his part. And if God is calling us to it, 
it'll be something that we cannot, should not, and cannot take the credit for. And only God will get the glory. So I want to ask you two questions. Question number one. What is God calling you to personally that seems too big for you, too scary, too uncomfortable? And do you trust that if he calls you to it, he will get you through it? And then question number two. What is God calling us as a congregation to be and to do as we move forward? And is it big enough that it requires God to move? Is it something that is so great that if God doesn't do his part, the whole thing will fail? I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind at all, that God wants to speak to us about these things. God wants to speak to you. God wants to direct you. I just want to invite you to open yourself to that. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are the one in control. We ask that as we go into this world, that you would be the one to direct us. That you would be the one to show us where to put our feet next. That you would be the one that we would listen to and obey. That we would write that blank check and say, God, whatever you want, however you want it, we will do. Thank you, Lord, that you go with us into this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.